relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Welcome, dear friends. You're listening to America First one-on-one with me, your host, Sebastian Gorka, former strategist from a deputy to the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And you know what I really like? Uh, two things, two special things about having a national radio show is getting to get people on the show who I just follow in social media. I'm fans of. You've seen them. I'm a big geek. And when I get them on the show, it's exciting. I, I don't fanboy you know, out over them anymore. I get to interview with them. The other thing, which is even more pleasurable, is when friends come on the show, not just because they're my friends, but because of what they know and what they've done. Having Well, that's the question. He's already breaking into my monologue. How dare he? He's on the show. He's already ruining everything. But that's okay because he is a friend and an expert as well. He's the man who made Trumponomics possible. Uh, Stephen Moore, welcome in studio. Sebastian, great to be with you. All right, so um, I got I have a whole list of questions. I want okay. to ask you uh, what's happened in the last two years, what's going to happen in the next two years, what's going to happen in the four years after that. But first, because we kind of always jump in very quickly by phone or Skype, we have the luxury of time today. Let's talk a little bit about who is Stephen Moore, because you're one of these unusual characters. Because this this wretched swamp here is 99.5% swamp creatures, uh, mediocre bureaucrats, uh, lying propagandist journalists. And then there's a handful of good guys. There's decent journalists like Chris Plant. There's decent specialists like yourself. And you've survived in this milieu of decrepit moral turpitude and propaganda. So tell us what your path has been in the swamp. And, how, for example, how you got to end up uh, advising President Trump. So who is Stephen Moore? Where do you hail from? <laughs> So I get a lot of dirty looks when I go to the grocery store. I don't know. Do you, get, do you find that? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Because I, because I get lots of smiles from people who know who I am. Yeah, yeah. And then once in a while, I'll get a scowl. Once <laughs> in a while. Yeah, I get that. Isn't he that crazy crackpot <laughs> economist? Um, I came here in 1984. Wow. I've been lucky. I've, I mean, I've had a very blessed life. You know, I was able to work for Ronald Reagan in his last year. Uh, 18 months in office, and we're for Trump. How cool is that? That's amazing. Yeah. That, no, that's the two amazing. best presidents in the last yeah. 50 years. I mean, that's... So, life so doesn't let, get let's start with that. What were your qualifications, and how did you end up helping President Reagan? Well, so I was... <laughs> you know, life really is fickle finger of fate. I came to Washington <laughs> in 1984. I met an economist when I was a senior in college at University of Illinois named Julian Simon. Do you know who Julian Simon was? I, I know the name, absolutely. Yeah. So Julian was a legend, Yes. He was the one who debunked the whole world is coming to an end kind of. Uh, a lot of your viewers and listeners know who Paul Ehrlich The Malthusian yeah. end of the world stuff. Julian really took that on and proved it all to be wrong. And, of course, everything that Julian said was right. And I want to make a point about this because I think it's important for people to understand. The real giants are the ones who say, who changed the whole course of the conversation and challenge the conventional wisdom. What, what, what the, what the uh, show-offs call moving the uh, Overton window. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and Julian did that. I mean, he, literally, when he was saying what he was saying, that, no, we're not running out of oil, we're not running out of gas, there's not too many people, we're not overpopulated, he was seen as a lunatic. Crazy. Crazy man. Uh, and, of course, you know, he uh, was able to change... Uh, the world, and he was proven right. And there are a lot of people like that, and I've really had great mentors in my life. Um, did you just laugh. know him, or did you study under him? Yeah, I studied under him. He and I wrote a book. I want to recommend it. I wrote it 20 year, 22 years ago called It's Getting Better All the Time, 100 Greatest Trends of the 20th Century. And it's just a picture book. People should get it. It should be taught in schools, for goodness sake. What was the message? Tell the, us message the message is every trend, virtually every trend in socioeconomic, whether it's health, income, environment, blah, blah, blah. I'll just give you one example. I'll bet if you went into most high schools and colleges today and you asked the kids, do you think the water that we drink and the air that we breathe 
is cleaner or dirtier today than 50 or 100 years ago. I will bet you, even at the universities, even yeah. at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, right. Duke, they will say, oh, it used to be the air was so clean, yeah. and now it's dirtier. Well, no, you know, you're smiling, because you know we have the cleanest air that we've ever had in this country right now. We have the cleanest water and so on. So people don't, don't get this message. And then, of course... Um, Guys, I, I, I found it. I found there it, is. it right yeah. now. I am we buying it. We put the yellow cover on I, there because we wanted it to be bright and sunny. I'm buying it right now as he speaks. The book is It's Getting Better All the Time, uh, The Greatest Trends of the Last Hundred Years. And of course, and I don't want to steal your thunder. This By the way, is, people, probably a lot of your listeners know that's the Beatles song from Sgt. Pepper called It's Getting Better All the Time. But, but the driver for all of that is free markets, right? It's of course, and free markets. of course. So that's the only thing that's not going right right now is the government is, you know, we at the end of the book, we say, here's our warning. You know, if you let government get out of the way, I mean, government get too big, it's going to reverse all these trends. I mean, these these trends uh, are all driven by human freedom and free market and capitalism. All right. And then you mentioned, I, I interrupted you, talk about Laffer, the famous Laffer curve and Art Laffer. So, you know, the same kind of thing. People laughed at Laffer when he but said for, he, for those who are not familiar, t- tell Oh, well, Arthur Laffer is, you know, fam- probably the world's most famous economist. He's a good friend. He was the best man at my wedding. He's a great man. And he was the one who really sold Reagan on the idea of cutting taxes to make the economy stronger and that if taxes got too high, they would so ruin the economy that you could you would actually get less revenue. And you know, Reagan bought that agenda and, and put it in place, and it was a huge success. And, um, you know, but people laughed at these people like Julian Simon and Art Laffer at the time. And then Trump, you know, he got it. He understood this stuff. He didn't, he didn't really need Larry Kudlow and my advice because, you know, he just had the right instincts. Yeah, he, instinctual. He, he's instinctual. He's amazing that way. I mean, we kind of laid it out for him, and, and he... Love the idea. I, I've told you the story many times, but we said you should go for a 20% corporate tax rate to make American credit. He said, I want 15%. <laughs> he got to the right of Larry and me. That's hard to do. He said, I want 15 And then we ended up with the negotiated settlement was 20 And Larry and I said, you know, he probably wanted that 20 all along. But you, if you want to understand Trump, you have to understand the, 15, the art of the deal. 20, uh, exactly. Of deal. And 20. I learned a lot from Trump. So what has it been like since uh, the early 90s, since 84 to today? Are you like, you feel like Churchill, a voice in the wilderness in this city? Mm, I've been thinking a lot about that because I'm, I'm <laughs> I've gotten a lot older. And, you know, I wonder if I've been able to make a difference. I mean, I've come here. When I came here, the debt was $1.5 trillion. Now it's $31.5 trillion. And, folks, you can't just blame this on the Democrats. I mean, it's, no. it goes up on the Republicans, Democrats, because politicians love to spend money. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And, you know, the Republicans are more fiscally conservative, but not much. And so I'm a big believer we need institutional restraints on government to make sure that we don't go bankrupt. Are you going to write a memoir? Stephen Moore? <laughs> no. Come on. No, no. That could be You're going to write the memoir. No, no, no. Uh, but I've, I've been so lucky in my life. I just feel really uh, blessed by God. You know, and the other cool thing, if I may, yeah. is some of the people that I've been able to meet in my lifetime. Bill Buckley. Wow. Uh, did you ever meet Bill Buckley? No, never. Oh, my God. He was, the guy literally, he and Reagan had a twinkle in their eye. They truly had a twinkle in their yeah. eye. Uh, and Bill Buckley, he would write, you know, he befriended me and we became really good friends. And he would write, you know, notes. This is in the old days when people, and sometimes they just well, people actually like, wrote handwritten notes to yeah, each other. Yeah, matches. or we would type them on his old yeah. typewriter. Yeah. And it would sometimes be just three or four sentences, and it would be like poetry. The man was incredible. And then, of course, I was really lucky to have befriended Milton Friedman. Wow. You know, who was just wow. incredible uh, mind. And so I've, I've been really lucky. In the, he had a twinkle as well. He Milton was, had a twinkle, didn't he? Yeah. and he a, was, a, little, a little kind of damp, impish sense of humor. Yeah. And the funny thing about him, you know, I used to have dinner with Milton Friedman and Rose Friedman towards the end of their life when they lived in San Francisco because they were at the Hoover Institute. Right. And they're both adorable. They were adorable. They were both about five foot yeah. six. <laughs> They'd walk down the street hand in hand. They're like the cutest couple. And we used to have these dinners, uh, Sebastian, with about, I'd always say, you know, hey, Milton, I'm going to come. Would you like to have dinner? And, he'd say, and we'd set up this little dinner, and we'd have maybe eight people. We'd sit around. And I wish I had just taken a um, oh, tape a recorder tape and just recorder. taped them. Yeah. Because it was the great thing that what I got to tell your viewers and listeners about. 
Rose was more conservative than Milton was. What? <laughs> I know they worked together and they published oh, they together, were, but they, she they was were, even more conservative than him? Uh, she was pretty darn conservative, <laughs> and they were both great economists, and they wrote a very famous, they wrote, their memoir called, was called Two Lucky People, and it was really something that they wrote together, and I learned so much from, from them, and so I've been lucky. Well, he's a lucky man. He's a blessed man to have survived and maintain his sanity in the swamp from Buckley to Reagan. Uh, follow him right now. He's got the at Stephen Moore Twitter account. I don't know how he did that. PH at Stephen Moore. I've got it right in front of me. What are the things that we have to do that are most important to make the economy grow faster? And he said, number one, school choice. He was a big advocate mm-hmm, of school mm-hmm. choice. Uh, number two was, um, it, oh, he was a big free trader, free trade. And the third thing he said was cut government spending. Yeah. And I said, how much? He said, as much as possible. And that's important because you've got a guy in the White House now who thinks you're going to grow the economy by growing the government, right. which is we'll crazy. Talk about, we'll talk about it's your crazy. latest uh, argument on that. He's a distinguished fellow with the Heritage Foundation. You're listening to America First one-on-one. If you love the deep dives with our buddies, the experts, the real newsmakers, subscribe today. It's absolutely free. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts. Put in, put in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. Never, ever miss an episode. And, of course, share the links with your friends. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And 17 months later, it wasn't Gorby, it was the residents of East Germany that tore that wall down with their bare hands with chisels and pickaxes. That was statecraft, that was a statesman, and our guest worked for him. Uh, talk to us about, you, you invited me very graciously to a dinner last year for the, uh, the anniversary of the big tax cuts, the Reagan tax cuts. And at the end, as people were moving around and dessert was happening, you invited me to, to take center stage and talk about my time in the Trump administration. And let's reflect a little bit, because a couple of people there said, well, uh, the swamp has always been around and it's nothing new. We experienced that in the Reagan years. I said, it's a little bit different. They, they may have hated Reagan, but they didn't call him a white supremacist and a Nazi right, like they did right, President right. Trump. But uh, that man that you worked for, Reagan, he was resisted 24-7, was he not? Yeah, in fact, it's so interesting you play that, um, that clip, which was one of his most famous moments as president. Did you know that um, everybody in the White House tried to take that out? Oh, the out State Department tried to take it out six times? Yes. Six times? Yes. So this isn't, I mean, what Trump confronted was worse, no question. Right, but, but it's that, been around. But that deep state has right. been there. And incidentally, it's one of the things, you know, and Reagan, by the way, kept putting it in and they kept taking it out. You know, the, the he, speech he, he inserted it by hand yeah. in the back of the beast on the way to the Brandenburg. He, he had to manually. It's in the Reagan library. He had to manually write it into the speech <laughs> because it had been deleted. Exactly. Right. And multiple times. Yeah. You know, and he finally got so angry. I remember and he said, you know. I'm the president. <laughs> I'm going to decide right, what I'm right. going to say. Uh, so you're right. Trump faced that. Um, this is an important point. One of the cool things I felt about Donald Trump was he was willing to, in other words, when you're in the Oval Office, you've been in the Oval Office many times. The way it usually works is you come in with an idea and there's all these little piddling people and they always tell you, you know, the president, why you can't, can't do it. Yeah, can't, can't be do done. it. have never done it that way right. before. Right. Trump never, he goes, I don't care if they've ever done it, we're going to do it. It's a good idea. Right. One of my favorite moments with Trump, I came, uh, we were talking about COVID and early days, um, Larry Kudlow was there in some of us and I, I, Trump was, was frustrated because he did not want to shut down the economy. No. You know that. He was... He, his biggest mis- one of his biggest mistakes as president was not firing Fauci. Yeah. Because Fauci was undermining everything he was trying to do. Right. So, you know, he's, how do we get the economy reopened? This was about um, late March of 2020. And I, the idea came to, I just said, well, Mr. President, you know, 10 days from now is Easter. Why don't you just make a declaration that Easter Sunday will be Economic Resurrection Day and we'll open up the was economy. Was that you? And I, and I did, I swear to God. And he... 
sat back and shared and said, you know, that's a good idea. And It was such and, a great message. And an hour later, he goes in front of the media in the White House press pool, and he says, I've decided we're going to open up the economy any percent. I mean, people are fading. Oh, my God, he's going to kill all these no, people. But I remembered when he used that yeah. and, and the idea of resurrecting yeah, America. That it was, was, just, it was just like a bright new morning it. under Reagan. Exactly. And, you know, the, it was so resistant. Nobody, you know, and he was he was right, proven, of course, right. And what Trump did, which he doesn't get enough credit for. I mean, look, he made mistakes under COVID, no question. But the, one of the smartest things he did was he said, look, we're going to allow the states yeah. to make their own decisions about their own policies. Because we're a republic. So what happened? The red states all opened up their economies. The blue states all shut down. And those blue states like California, my home state of Illinois, New York, New Jersey, they're still paying a yeah. huge price for that, for shutting down their businesses, for shutting down their schools, all of those things. I, I happen to think that the lockdowns were one of the greatest mistakes in American history. And I hope we never, never do it again. Yeah. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears. Uh, you wrote the book Trumponomics. Uh, you were advising the president during the campaign, during the time in the White, so- uh, White House, uh, inside the America First plan to revive our economy. How did you connect with uh, President Trump or candidate Trump? So we, uh, Larry Kudlow and I and Laffer were interviewing all the presidents who were running, all the candidates for president back in late 2015. And remember, there were a lot. There were 16. I don't know if we interviewed all of them, but we did most of them. And Trump was one of the last ones we talked to. And How did, uh, how did that discussion go? Oh, you know, first, well, what happened is he wanted to meet with Larry and, and myself privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was Corey Lewandowski. Remember, Corey was running yep. the campaign, did a fantastic job. And we went and we I didn't like Trump. I didn't I'd never met him. I just didn't like him. I, didn't, I just thought he was kind of a blowhard and blah, blah, blah. And we went in and spent an hour and a half, just me, Larry, and Trump. No other people, no which I thought was, was interesting. Right. You know, that was, you know, that you, again, usually these politicians are, you know, filled with people. And we, and I remember Larry and I, I'll never forget this. Larry and I walked out of that room and we're like, he's going to be president. Really? That's how blown and, away we and, were. And that he agreed with you? We had a great conversation. I mean, I love Trump because you can argue with the guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and he, so, so. You know, and we had, but it was a meeting of the minds, and I was just so blown away by this guy. I don't agree. Look, I told Trump, I don't agree with you on trade, and, you know, we'd fight back and forth. But I love the fact that he was willing to take on the conventional wisdom in Washington and the whole drain the swamp message. That's why he won. That's right. why he won. Totally. totally. Yeah. So my, my first meeting with him uh, was exactly the same. Corey called me up summer, I think it was June of 2015, and said uh, there's a GOP candidates debate this fall on national security, and Mr. Trump wants somebody to right. help him prepare. Right. Would you meet with him? And I was like, mm, not exactly my cup of tea, but <laughs> I, I went to New York, and it right. was just me, President Trump, and Corey yeah. in a room right. for 40 minutes crazy blue sky discussion from the civil war to nuclear weapons <laughs> and and i could tell within milliseconds that this man hates political correctness hates the swamp and he has a passion for america so i said sure i'll work for you and <laughs> and going back to what you said re, uh, previously about all the naysayers all the people that float around and say no the easiest way to piss him off and i'm sure you've seen this is if somebody from the administration even if you're a four-star general if you came to him with something and you said why are we doing it like that and if you said to him well, because that's how we've been doing it for 20 years. That he was, would say, excuse me? Right. That's, that's, that's not a reason. That's why they do never <laughs> yes. say that to yeah. the boss, because for him, there were no sacred cows. We're talking to C- Stephen Moore. He's the author of Trumponomics and so many other works, GovZilla included. He is the founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Follow him at Stephen Moore, PH. Uh, he's distinguished fellow with the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. And if you love what we do here as much as we love providing it to you, Follow us on all social media platforms that matter. We are everywhere. True Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram, Cloud Hub. You can watch us. Yes, we are a television show. SalemNewsChannel.com. And check out my Substack, my latest article on Biden's Beijing balloon fiasco. That's SebastianGorka.Substack.com. That's my name. One word. SebastianGorka.Substack.com. 
Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own for my exclusive listeners that my pillow 2.0 has a buy one get one free offer with promo code gorka my pillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100 made in the usa and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee just go to mypillow.com click on the radio list of square for the buy one get one free offer enter promo code gorka or call 800-829-8468 that's code g-o-r-k-a go today. This is a free market enterprise. We don't get half a billion dollars from the taxpayer like NPR does. If you like the show, please support us by supporting those who make our shows possible. Great patriots like Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, a friend of the president. There's a reason he sold 71 million of those pillows. Right now, he's just launched the 2.0 with the latest cooling technology. Get a good night's sleep, support an American company and a man that the left detests. They want to destroy him, but we're not going to let them. He's got some amazing BOGO offers. And if you use my name, you'll get up to 66% off his line of more than 150 goods. Call today, 800-829-8468 or mypillow.com. That's 800 829 8468mypillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A. All right, we have been reveling in the Reagan years, in the Trump years, but that's not where we live right now. Here's a reminder of the man who is currently an incumbent on the White House and um, the alternate reality that he lives in. Play cut. So the economy is up, price inflation is down, real incomes are up, gas prices are down and need to come down further. Exports are all also up, which means a simple thing. We're making a lot of money in America because of that. Guess what? We're exporting products we made rather than jobs. So uh, he's probably has that entourage. He's isolated. Does anybody, do, do you have any connections inside this administration? Does anybody really believe that the economy is just hunky-dory and inflation's under control and employment's superb? I'm just curious. Well, first of all, when you hear a clip like that, you're right. my first reaction is, um, where are the fact checkers? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're Remember right. when, whenever Trump would, you know, sometimes you know, presidents make a misstatement of facts. Uh, almost everything out of his mouth is a misstatement of that. Every single thing. <laughs> right. And so I'm just stunned by the fact that he gets away with that kind of thing. Do they believe it's okay? I mean, because he's got a council of advisors. He's got economic so. advisors. He's got a chief of staff. He's got a secretary of you know, commerce. What's going on? Who believes this? Um, look, the economy would be absolutely booming right now if Trump were still president. We just kept with Trump's policies. Uh, I'm... I think this this economy is headed towards a financial crash. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen in two months or six months or eight months or two years, but it's going to happen if we continue down this path. We're like everybody a speeding I, locomotive heading right over a cliff. Everybody yeah. I talk to whose opinion I respect <clears throat> in the financial and economics uh, sphere tells me that. Yeah. I mean, there's always people, when is it going to happen? I, I wish I, if I knew that, I'd be rich, but right. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. Now, there's still a t- look. A Titanic is headed right to an iceberg, folks. Guess what? There's still time to turn the the, the ship around. But B- Biden's like, speed it up. Yep. Stay with right. these policies. Everything's right. going just fine. And so I'm I'm uh, I'm despondent about what's happened to our country. I mean, you add five trillion dollars of debt in two years, and then you go out to the American people in the State of the Union and say you're reducing the deficit. <laughs> or, or you say I'm reducing inflation when he came in the inflation rate was 1.6% and now the inf- and then it went up to 9.2% and it's still at 6.5% and he's saying he's reduced inflation. I mean, these things are such bald-faced right. lies. 61% of the Americans, according to, I think it was a CBS poll that came out last week, say the economy is bad. Yeah. 61%, including, you know, a majority, um, uh, plurality of Democrats are saying that. So... Um, we're in a, we're in some tough condition now. The, to give the president his due, this is a strong jobs market, no question about it. But guess what? We're missing 
5 million people who should be working who aren't working. Why aren't they working? There are a lot of reasons why that's happening. Help us understand that. Why Why is it so hard to find people to do work today? Well, that's the big question. Why? (laughs) Why? Any theory? I think think there were a lot of people after COVID who just never went back to work. You know, I mean, the, the lockdowns. But I also think we're just paying people way too much money not to work. I mean, what Biden did was just flush all this money into the economy, put all this money into people's pockets, and then... Then they're like, gee, did you know there were, you're not going to believe this, um, Sebastian, there were 13 Nobel Prize economists who said in the New York Times in a signed letter, we do not believe that Joe Biden's agenda will cause inflation. Now, now when was that? Was that the beginning? This was back uh, middle to late 2020. <laughs> I mean, now... A seventh grader yeah. could understand this, right. Right? right? And if you made a prediction like that and the inflation went to 9%, don't you think maybe you might send your PhD back and say, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, the, the academics are so wrong about what's happening in this, in this country. So I, my concern, I'm extremely concerned. And I, look, I don't root against this country. I hope we can, uh, we can keep this country prosperous. But my God, when you look at the spending, and as you know, one of the issues I worked on with Trump was the energy policy. I mean, my, that was a spectacular success. We'll, we'll talk about I mean, exactly on. that next. You've stolen my thunder. You've read my mind. He is the co-author of It's Getting Better All the Time, Greatest Trends of the Last 100 Years. He's our special in-studio guest, one-on-one, Stephen Moore. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, coming to you from just outside the insalubrious, noisome swamp that is Washington, D.C., from the Relief Factor.com studios. Relief Factor. Pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating. Half a million Americans right now, me included. But it's not just me. It's people like Reggie from Florida. This is his story. I have a lot of pain from aging, and after only four days of using Relief Factor, I'm already experiencing less pain and stiffness. Can't wait to see how I feel in a couple more weeks. Relief Factor is a blessing sent by God. Incredible words. Find out for yourself. There's only one way, but it's super easy. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me, Reggie, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Call right now. What have you got to lose? Nothing except... For the pain. Call 800 500 8384 or just go to relieffactor.com. That's 800 500 8384. Relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. It is the heartbeat of an economy. Under our former president, it was creating wealth the likes of which we'd never seen before. I'm talking, of course, fossil fuels and energy. The current incumbent has a very different vision. Play cut. No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. Well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. pipes? Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. Is there any really powerful large-scale economy in the world that doesn't have a vibrant energy sector? 
Well, you look, yeah, I mean, you know, Singapore. No, no, I mean the scale of a continent like America, a big one. Well, (laughs) look, let me put it differently. This country is so blessed with natural yeah. resources. There's right. no country in the world no. that has more minerals. Our agriculture, we have the greatest agricultural land in the world. We have more oil and gas and coal in another country in the world. Now, you, could you get prosperous without energy? Yeah, but it sure helps when you're, you know, if you control the energy markets, as we learn from OPEC yeah. in the 1970s, you have a geopolitical stranglehold over the rest of I mean, it was basically like in this, I remember the 70s, I mean, the the OPEC uh, oil sheiks had a knife at our, at our at our necks, and so you know we had finally done something that I didn't think was possible uh, to be exporting it to, to be exporting it, and you know what an incredible economic liberator that was. The, the oil the oil patch jobs those are hundred hundred fifty thousand dollar a year jobs. I mean we it reduced our trade deficit, it increased output. I mean, I go on and on and on and on. Can can, can it, you just remind everyone because I know it's only two years, but can you remind us of what the state of the economy was prior to COVID and not just energy? I mean, it was the the most robust economy we'd ever seen. Pretty much in, in so. world terms. Pretty much so. I remember whether it was unemployment or anything else. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I, it's an honest God truth. Uh-huh. I remember in like mid January of 2020, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, with this kind of vision that everything is going so well. I had this premonition that something bad was going to happen because everything was going it's too, too well. Good. It's too good. Yeah, and I, I thought I didn't know if it was going to be an earthquake or a terrorist attack or something. And, of course, it turned out to be this, this uh, virus. Um, if it had not been for COVID, Trump would have won the biggest re-election ever, ever in the history yeah. of the country. I mean, you know, we were just exploding with growth. And I do think we now know, this is what's so sinister about this. Almost everything that people in government were telling us about COVID was a lie. Yeah. This was, I, I'm not a, you've known me a long time. I'm not a conspiracy no, guy. No. But when I... When you look at all the, they intentionally, now it would be one thing to get it wrong, but they intentionally lied to people. Sebastian, they created a climate of fear. Yes. So that people panicked, it caused mayhem. That's exactly what they wanted. Well, it's not, you know. you're, you're fallaciously using the past tense. They're still doing it. Yesterday, they still are, yes. CDC uh, Walensky said, we are not, we're, nev- we're never going to change our guidelines on masking of children. She said that. She said that on Wednesday. It's just... Okay. It's, it's, you know, there's not... The people who are the victims of what we did were our children. You're going to... The effects of this are going to be felt for 50, 60 years. Oh, at least. Um, So I'm just sickened by it. But, but, you know, even so, even with COVID, the second half of the year after Trump ended the shutdowns, the economy was booming. This lie... I don't know if you have the lie that he, oh, when I took over, the economy was in ruins. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. no. What is he talking about? The economy grew by 11% in the second half of 2020. One week after the election is when they announced they had the vaccine, which allowed everything to reopen again. Biden tries to, now, I think the first vaccine was highly successful. I have some doubts about <laughs> these latest versions of it. But the point is, I think Trump doesn't get enough credit for how he actually got us through this. And the... <laughs> This is really important for people to understand. You know, when people talk about was the election stolen, I always say the left isn't stupid. They knew that if they had a, any kind of conventional election to yeah, the, where right. we vote the way we've always right, voted right, for right, right, right. 150 years, there's no way they could be Trump. So but, if, what, but if you mail out 80 million exactly. ballots. So they completely change right. the rules of the game. And shame on the Republicans for allowing them to do that. But Bingo. we fell into their trap, Sebastian. And I think 2020... The election was a catastrophe for our country. Yeah. Um, we've talked about energy. Can I just drill down? Oh, by the way, one? I want to show people this. You've got this car here. <laughs> now, this is important. The left hates these. The war on energy is about getting He's, he's holding out my James uh, Bond Aston this, <laughs> Is that what the, the, yep. the, the, No, you know, they don't like the car. Yeah. Because it's, uh, we say in, our, in that book, The 100 Greatest Trends, the automobile was the most liberating freedom, freedom producing inventions ever in the history of the country. What do they want? They want to get people out of cars and put them in mass transit and trains and things like Buses. that so they can keep take away people's mobility right. and keep track of where they are. 
I'm glad somebody's finally using my toy collection as a prop. <laughs> Is that the first time that's happened? I mean, that's the first time that's ever happened. I got a lot of people complimenting me on my props and my toys, but the first time that's been a, a teaching aid. Um, one thing I need your advice on, because the energy thing is clear. If you're paying, you know, 180 a gallon by $7, everybody understands that. But my big concern is manufacturing. America mm-hmm. needs to be making stuff. So we're not beholden to China or anybody mm-hmm. else. Can that be revivified? Can we get? We back? did it under Trump. So, so, so. <laughs> of course, we can. What is the the secret? Is it is it tariffs? I know you're a free trade guy. What's the secret sauce there? Uh, it's making America as competitive as possible which, in every which, way. Which means what in it terms means, of policies? You know, our labor policy, our energy Got policy, it. our tax policy. Everything should be oriented towards making uh, making America the most competitive country in the world because and trump got this instantly he's like right. you create a level playing field and america can outcompete anybody Bingo. and we did i mean i'm really really proud of what we did with manufacturing we as trump used to say this is the for, for 50 years before he came into office you know uh factories were leaving mexico michigan and they were going to mexico for the first time in our lifetime the factories were going from mexico yes. to michigan yes incredible you know, because we made it such a fertile place to invest it. Trump was pro-business. Biden is anti-business. And uh, lots of those policies were thanks to our guest in studio, Stephen Moore, the author of Trumponomics. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First One-on-One. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel conservative economy, and they've got big news. Patriot Mobile now offers services with all three major cell phone networks. That means if you're with one of the big three and you like their service but hate their left-wing values, you can access them through the only Christian conservative cell phone company in America. And they have a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, Patriot Mobile will let you switch between the three major carriers for free. How's that for an offer? Switch today. Don't fund companies that are woke and hate America. Join the good guys. Special discounts for veterans and first responders. Use my name for free activation. They have the same nationwide coverage on 4G and 5G networks. This year resolved to stop supporting companies that don't share your values. They have a 100% US-based customer support team. They are the best. Join the good guys today. Just call 972-PATRIOT or go to patriotmobile.com slash Gorka. That's 972-728-7468 or go to patriotmobile.com slash G-O-R-K-A. Do not fund those who hate you and our nation. This is America First. All right, we're running out of time. Just a few minutes left. I'm going to exploit you mercilessly because I've got you in studio. Sebastian, I've got to correct you on one thing. What? So this is really important. You you know, you're being very kind in saying, you know, I help Trump, you know, develop these policies. Trump knew. He knew what to do. I mean, he really did. He knew he was a businessman, but he wasn't running a government. So you helped him. Yeah, I know. We helped him, but... I can't, it's not like, you look, know, I, look know. I, if I he, could tell how many yeah. times I've tr- tried to call Stephen and said, sorry, I'm on the phone with the White House. So I know what <laughs> no, you were doing. No, but he, you was, were he was uh, really the easiest. Pol- and I've been around, you know, senators and congressmen and governors. I mean, I never had a connection with a guy that was a, like that before. Why? Because he's not a politician. Bingo. Folks. He's Bingo. not a politician. Bingo. That's the reason. And that's why we need him back in the White House and you advising him again. All right. So one thing I need help with you, because it's such a, a hoary old subject, is is the question of trickle-down economics. Mm-hmm. Is trickle-down a, a shillabeth? Is it fake? Is it real? The left says it, it, it doesn't exist. What is it? Is it a canard? What's your approach? <laughs> so, look, tax... Tax, taxes matter. And when you have high tax rates, what happens? People and businesses es- try to escape that high taxation. Right. Now, I'm going to give you the best example I can because it's irrefutable. And I've, argue, I've debated liberals on this for 30 years. If you don't think taxes matter, then why are New York and Illinois and California and uh, New Jersey and Connecticut losing millions of yeah. people yeah. to Florida and Texas, and Tennessee, and Utah, and states with low tax. What we've seen over the last 50 years, and this migration is accelerating, this, this, the center of gravity in America is shifting towards red states. Red states are absolutely killing the blue states right now. 
California's lost 2 million people in the last five years, net in terms of migration. That's never happened before in the history of our country. Nobody leaves California because they don't have good weather out there. (laughs) They're leaving there because the policies are so backward, and taxes are one of them. You pay a 13% tax in New York, California. You move to uh, Florida, Texas, you pay zero. Zero. You don't think that matters? Come on. Now, the... What's happening is all the remaining conservatives are, you know, Lee Zeldin would have bit won the election yeah. in New York had not all the Republicans moved to Florida. Right. But, the, you know, all the entrepreneurs are, are moving to uh, states like Texas and Florida. We, it's incredible. We, incredible. Uh, Lee, we owe Lee Zeldin a debt of gratitude. What he did in New York in the midterms was amazing. We've been talking to Stephen Moore. Where did that hour go? Sheer insanity. Follow him right now on Twitter at Stephen Moore, PH Stephen Moore. The book is Trumponomics. The prior one I've just ordered is It's Getting Better All the Time. Dear friends, if you like, the show prove it if you're america first check out all the made in america america first gear at our store sebgorkastore.com sadly still today the hottest selling item is our fbi t-shirt launched jointly with chris plant this time it stands for fascist bureau of intimidation get yours today the latest is our elon musk t-shirt and mug hashtag twitter files are you paying attention and you ask for it we designed it the america first trump challenge coin stay frosty get yours today i'm sebastian gorka this has been america first one-on-one, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. The world will little note or long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. I have a dream. Ask not what your country can do for you Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. Sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism. Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You turn my off and ask the question. We have more polite people. Mr. President, why have you chosen Poland for your trip to mark anniversary of the war? And what's your message? What? That was about 30 minutes ago, dear friends. Uh, If you can't see the visuals, uh, (laughs) the man who bears the title commander-in-chief gave a press conference about the three UFOs that were shot down by NORAD, by uh, U.S. military, took no questions. He uh, grinned weirdly at the end when a Polish reporter asked a question. And when, who was the first? Was that John Carl? Who is that, Jeff? No, that's Peter Alexander, who's NBC. NBC, uh, who asked him uh, uh, actually a quite journalistic question. Was the reaction overreaction because of the embarrassment? And then Biden said, uh, you can ask me that in my office when there are less rude people. Did he just, Jeff, did he just in, in, insult the whole White House press corps? I know, and the guy that asked him, like I said, he's that NBC reporter. He's like a lawyer for the Biden administration, the way he defends them so much. <laughs> Not a good press conference and utter failure. A good way to start the show, though. This is America First with me, your host, Sebastian Gorker, on the Salem News Channel, broadcasting across the nation to more than three million listeners. And, of course, on the Salem News Channel TV, where if you've got Roku, if you've got any one of those OTT devices, you can watch the show as well because it's fun because we've got video clips like that 
that. We have an amazing lineup for you today. We've got Miranda Devine, the woman who helped break the original Hunter Biden laptop top story for the New York Post, will be with us. Breitbart's Matt Boyle, Jesse Jane Duff, yes, Gunnery Sergeant Duff will be with us. Chris Buskirk of American Greatness, and then the one-on-one. And we're going to get to some very special stories about what President Trump is really like. Yeah, with Stephen Moore, the man who wrote Trumponomics. But first things first, let's <laughs> let's have some more fun. There's a guy. What was it, Eric? Uh, you lasted much, much longer than him in the Trump administration. Scaramucci was what, nine days, ten days? Ten days, whereas I can boast that I lasted two weeks. Yeah, but y- then you realize that working for me is much better. Oh, of course. Infinitely what, more fun. What did we say, Jeff, when he, did, when he dared to leave us for the Trump administration? What did we say behind his back? What did we say about Eric? First of all, I had to fill in for him. It was longer than two weeks. <laughs> I think it was closer to a month, but yes. carry on. Yes. Uh, we said great things about him. <laughs> no, no, no. About him uh, coming back very soon, right? Yeah, we called him little Scaramucci. <laughs> well, that doesn't work because he outlasted the mooch. I totally forgot about the mooch. Eric, did you forget about the I forgot that the mooch existed. He's one of those guys that, yeah, I totally forget he exists. But every time I'm reminded of his, his existence, I get a little grin on my face. But but it's like Amorosa. Where's Amorosa? I mean, do you remember Amorosa left and said, I've got the tapes. President Trump is a racist. I've got the audio tapes. That was what? That was what? Like four years ago? I think so. And reminder, there's a reason she was widely considered a villain when she was on The Apprentice. Yeah. And the the other reason that she's considered a weird is whenever she saw me in the White House, I'm not – you you can ask witnesses. Ask Boris next time on the show. Whenever she saw me, it would be creepy because she didn't do any work. So she'd like hang around the Navy mess drinking cappuccinos. Whenever she saw me going from one office to the other, going to the Oval, going to see Steve, she'd she'd literally shout – Across the West Wing, Gorka! Like that. It's just creepy. Amorosa, why are you so creepy? And where are the audio tapes? All right, let's have a little blast from the past. Allegedly, the Mooch has a podcast that he and his grandmother listened to. <laughs> and he invited Fredo. Jeff, is that like, that's like a loser's convention. The Mooch with Fredo on a podcast. And it's so fitting to what they end up talking about. <laughs> well, what do they talk about? They talk about... The fact that Fredo is on the cusp of being a mass murderer, yeah, he wants to kill everyone. Here's Fredo. Don't call him Fredo. Sorry, his name is what? Chris? Is it Chris Cuomo? Or is that the brother? No, Randy Randy Andy is the governor. And then we've got Chris, who's called Fredo. Don't call him Fredo. Here's Fredo on the Mooch's podcast, audience of three. I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody. Uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I really had to fight against that because, you know, just like you did, I got too many people counting on me. Just like you got too many people counting on me. What, what is he saying? Auditioning for the budget price to Godfather? What is that? I was going to kill everybody. Has nothing to do with steroids, right? Nothing, nothing. No, no, there's no roid abuse. We deny those allegations. Absolutely out of the question. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Let's put this up. Just received this from uh, Jeff and uh, Salem also has texted me this. Fox 29, Philadelphia. Why is this out of Philadelphia? Weird. Senator John Fetterman. Senator. This just sounds so weird. Senator John Fetterman checks into hospital, cites clinical depression. What? Did he just realize that he's a Democrat? I mean, seriously. Who, who, who could have predicted this? When was the Senate sworn in? What was it? January what? It was like a, a month and a half ago that they've been sworn in. Oh, less. Less. Like, a, like six weeks ago, five weeks ago, and John Fetterman is in hospital. I wish you a speedy recovery, but seriously, did nobody see this coming? Did your wife not see this coming? Your campaign manager not see How about your doctor? Did he not advise you that maybe running for the Senate was unwise? Okay, let's talk about serious things. Let's talk about the all-out assault on the children. There's a man called Richard Levine who has a psychosis. He wears a skirt to work. He wears an admiral's uniform and he calls himself Rachel. Yeah, he calls himself Rachel. And this is what he just said about you and your relationship 
to your children and secrecy of the transgender extremists. Play cut. You know, studies show that one supportive adult, one supportive adult for an LGBTQI plus kid can make all the difference in terms of, of preventing suicide, in terms of, of them being able to navigate the world and to, to adulthood and leading a, a, you know, a happy, successful, productive life. One supportive adult. I'd love if that was always the parent, but it's not always a parent. Frequently, it's a teacher um, or a guidance counselor or some other or coach or another school personnel. This law forbids kids, essentially, from, uh, from talking to, to, to these people. And also, it, it means that, the, that if you tell a teacher, the teacher has to tell the parent. And so it really is, is a gag rule. It's a gag law um, to, to, help, that, that, to prevent kids from accessing supportive adults. You're not very convincing as a woman, I'll say that for you. Not the get-up, not the voice, none of it. It's not a gag law, you evil, evil man. It says that a teacher can't talk about sex with a minor. Why would you want a teacher to talk about sex with a child, you pervert? And the fact you're shocked, you're shocked that if a child is discussing gender issues, is confused because probably because of the teacher and TikTok, that you have to tell the parent. Why would you be shocked that the school has to tell the parent about the mental state of the child unless you want to rip them away from their family unit, indoctrinate them, and mutilate them with hormones and surgery. You're sick, Richard Levine. That's a person in government office, in a uniform of an admiral, and it's not a bloody pantomime. We need to stop these people. Are you engaged? Do you go to the local school board meetings? Are you checking what they're doing to your children at school or your grandchildren? Get engaged. There is nothing more important. Forget the rest. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. Make sure you never miss a moment. Subscribe right now. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Share the links. It's free. Leave us a five-star review. Back in a moment. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 